Amen. Amen. Thanks, Selena. Are we good? Too loud, maybe? <coughs> Thank you, Selena. Thank you, McCall. Thank you, worship team. There's, a, there's just a really personal theme over service today. We started out by talking about singing straight to God and uh, talking about the kids hearing directly from God. And, and the message that I have today is a very personal message for each one of us. And um, it's just, this is what family looks like. God speaks in the language of family. And, and I am, Christy and I are honored and blessed, extremely honored and blessed to have this as our church family. We, uh, we moved to California f- almost a little bit over four years ago. We're originally from Ohio. And moving to California, it was really weird. We felt at home for the first time. And it, ma- it let me know that I actually didn't feel at home back in Ohio. And that's strange. But it wasn't until we moved here to Oxnard that we actually felt like here in California that we had family. And so this is just a really special thing. This is a really special thing. So the, the title of my message today is Answering the Right Questions. And it's so important, especially in the season that we're in right now, that we're not only asking the right questions, but answering the right questions. I mean, we're in a season right now that is so inundated with questions we just don't have the answer to. You know, people are saying things, well, well why do they think like, like they think, or, or why do we have to do that? People are saying, you know, why aren't people doing this? Or when is this going to be over? Or why is this happening? And you fill in the blank. There's, there's so much unknown right now. There's so much unsettling. There's been so much of um, <coughs> what feels like a lack of foundation under our feet as we're going through all of the different things that have been associated through, these, through this time. And so today, I want to go over <coughs> what are the right questions to be answering right now. Last week, Pastor Samuel hit on some very important questions that we need to be answering right now. And just paraphrasing, he said, you know, what response should we have right now? I love that question because it's not what reaction should we have. That's been, some of the trend has been reacting to things. But the difference between reacting and responding is you actually think first. (laughs) We need to be thinking about what's happening and respond. Amen? Another question Pastor Samuel said was, what role do we play in public opinion? That's an important question to answer. And then what is the impact if we don't get involved? I just want to remind us, just dovetailing off of Pastor Samuel's message last week, I'm seeing a thread of what God is doing. I've already shared this, but I just felt like sharing this before I get into my message. I see a thread of what God is doing with Embrace. It was God that chose to get us into this building all the way back on May 31st. And then God's choice to lock us into the the building July 5th. This was his plan. Before we were tucked way far away, way out on the beaten path, and now God chose to put us right on the main drag. I remember watching as we were standing um, outside the service before we had our Pentecost service that Almost everyone that drove by, like they're breaking their neck and everyone's wondering what's going on with the theater. See, that was God's plan. That wasn't our plan. 
That was God's plan. When I came to visit, I don't know if I've shared this with some of you guys, but I came to visit and Pastor Samuel took me on a drive when I was just considering coming to the church. You guys have heard some of the miracle stories of God speaking to us about this before I met Samuel, before I met the team. But when I was here driving around with him, <clears throat> he was showing me the city. What a remarkable city we have. So much diversity. It's such a, a beautiful thing that God is doing here in Oxnard. But as we were driving around the city, we were talking about, you know, oh man, we need a home. We need a home for our church family. We need a home to belong to. We were renting the other church, but we were sharing. We needed a home. And as we were driving, I suddenly had this vision. I saw the map of Oxnard and I saw this red pin go right down in the middle of it, almost where the word Oxnard is, right on the map. And I said, oh yeah, we probably need to be right in the middle of the city. And at the time, the plan was, no, we wanted to be by the highway. And so I just dismissed it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I don't know what I saw. So then, fast forward all the way until May. May, July, um, April 11th, my wife and I and our two kids our dog, our cat, and everything we've ever owned. We made the trek down from Reading down here to Oxnard. And <coughs> we get here, and May 1st, I start officially with the church. And in the first couple weeks of May, I'm standing, you know, talking to Pastor Samuel, and we're talking about Pentecost service. And I said to him, whatever happened to the theater? And he said, you know what, let's go look at it. So we start driving, and I put in my map on my phone. Some guys have that internal GPS. For whatever reason, I didn't get that. I'm not good with directions. I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag without a map. Thank you, Jesus. My wife can. <laughs> she ended up getting the internal GPS. But when I put it into my map, the red pin that was in the map was almost exactly where I saw that red pin go in when I had the vision months earlier when I was here with Pastor Samuel. You can't make that stuff up. So I see this thread of what God is doing establishing us right here where we're very visible. We can't hide. I remember over a month ago, James and Marlise were here, and they were ministering and declaring things about the political mountain. I remember weeks before Pastor Samuel's sermon, The Church and Politics, that that was the plan to preach that week, and it was before all of the difficulties and all of the challenges came. I feel a certainty in doing what Jesus did. And he only did two things. He did what the Father was doing and said what the Father was saying. So the settling I got in my spirit with all of this stuff, and you know the stuff, I don't have to say it, the settling I have in my spirit is I see what my daddy is doing. And that's all I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about doing. So when we talk about answering the right questions, obviously Jesus is the answer, and the answer literally is love. First and foremost, but we can drill down a little deeper into answer, answering the right questions. So you guys know <coughs> there's traditionally six questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? And I'm proposing a seventh question. So I'm going to go down this list and just make a comment about these different questions that we should be answering. And it's really, I'm going to talk about <coughs> the subject of each one of those questions, and then we're going to dive into just one of the questions today. What I might be doing here is beginning a conversation that I need to continue maybe six or seven times. But starting with the question, who? Who is really a question of identity? 
That's a question we need to be answering right now. What is a question of focus? That's a question we need to answer right now. When is a question of timing? Where is a question of orientation? Why is a question of motivation? And how is a question of faith? We need to be answering those questions right now. There's a lot we don't know, but these things we need to know. These things we need to stand on. And I mentioned the last question. I like the number seven because it's the number of completeness. The number of six is like the number of man, and the next element is God coming in, bringing number seven. And I think that the question we ask way too often, I've already said this, but the question we ask way too often is what if? And there's something connected to that question, what if? And the thing that connected to it is fear. When we what if ourselves into a corner, it causes us not to step out. When we what if ourselves into a corner, it actually causes us to put on our shell instead of releasing and spreading out the love of God, instead of releasing and ministering with the fire of heaven. My suggestion is we don't need to ask what if, we need to ask why not. Why not me? Why not now? The difference between those two questions is why not has hope attached. And I offer to you guys today that any question you ask that doesn't have hope attached is not from God. So we need to set down some of the things we don't know, are not going to know, may never know, and we need to grab a hold of the things that we need to focus on right now, the answers that we need to get. And the one, we only have time for one probably in this service today. So we're going to be asking, answering a question. And probably the number one question that we have to get answered very clearly right now is who. Who is a question of identity, and we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are in him. More than ever before, we need to know who we are in Christ. People around us need to know who we are. My neighbor needs to know who I am because that's what makes a difference. So we're going to be talking about who we are this morning. And I got to say, identity is huge on my heart. There is so much around us that is trying to tell us who we are. Good meaning people, bad meaning people, everything around us is trying to tell us who we are. The experiences that I've had, the circumstances I find myself in, my family members see me and know me and have an opinion about me, that's trying to tell me who I am. Mistakes that I've made decisions that I make, everything, the way I dress, the color of my skin, everything is trying to tell me about who I am. But the only thing that matters is what God says about me. There is some good in some of that stuff, but I like to just kind of push all of that aside and just zero in on what is daddy saying about me? What does God have to say about Pastor Christopher? That's what matters. That's what I need to worry about. That's what my body is literally lining up with every time I have an encounter with him. I'm lining up with more of who he says that I am. Identity is huge in my heart. Selena was talking about all of the earth is worshiping. Did you know <laughs> all of creation groans, is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed? And it's revealed through who they are. It's revealed through who he is. This is probably the most important question to ask right now. Who are we? 
This isolation has done a lot of things. Because of the isolation, we know that suicide rates are up. We know that depression is up. We know that anxiety is up. There is so, the, the spirit of fear was running rampant for a long time. It fizzled out a little. It's trying to come back again. The spirit of depression was sweeping across not just our nation, but across the world. I believe that it's impossible for that to happen unless we begin to forget who we are. I get this picture in my mind every time I start talking about this. So what I know is I know we're superheroes <laughs> because I know who God is, and we're made in the image of God. And I get this picture, the reality of what we're going through and the fact that our neighbors don't know who we are and the fact that sometimes we don't know who we are is just as silly to me as if you picture Superman getting on a subway and he's sitting there on the subway car and he's just relaxing and someone comes over and makes fun of him and he just starts crying and he gets off the subway car and goes home and eats a gallon of ice cream while he watches something on Netflix. <laughs> it's that crazy to me when we're, we're, we're Christians carrying the power of God inside of us, the living God is in me. It's that crazy for me to cower, for me to be offended, for me to hide, for me to run home instead of go out into the world. It's that ridiculous to me. And so we're going to drill in on what that looks like. If you guys will, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. <laughs> knowing who we are matters so much. In Romans chapter 6, we're going to read <coughs> quite a few verses here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. There's something really precious in this that we need to get a hold of today regarding who we are individually. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, like, the, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Say, set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. This, there is something in here that we've got to get a hold of this morning and carry with us for the rest of this season that we're in. In Romans, well, in this season, there has been, in addition to the anxiety and the depression and all these things, I know, and I'm probably speaking to another church, but I know that secret sins and skeletons in the closet have creeped back out 
from being unseen, from being isolated. One of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to isolate us. Why? Because there's something about coming together. There's a multiplication that happens. I've already shared this, but one can send 1,000 to flight, but just two can send 10,000. There's something special and a strength that we get from being a part of a family, from being a part of a body, and we need it. But something that's been on my heart this entire month It's like I see these seasons where we were in a season, you know, May, June, and July, where God was just getting the family back together. Man, we were just getting back to the same table. We were just beginning to eat together again. And then there has been consistently a theme of God shedding his light on the church. And it's not just to be revealed publicly and and to, to, to stand up for worshiping our Lord and King. That light is coming in order to reveal some of the things that are hidden. Why? Why would God's light come into the church like that? Why would God be shining his light so brightly in the house? There's been so many weeks of a theme of the light of God and a cleansing, a light of God and a cleansing. And what God is up to, and the reason why we're hitting this sermon on the very last Sunday of this month, I believe, is because God is in the process of cleaning us up and empowering us to go out in power evangelism. Because we're actually in a season of harvest. The pandemic doesn't look like it. The writing didn't feel like it. All of this stuff that's going on with these guidelines and all this stuff doesn't seem like it, but we're actually in a season of harvest. And so what does it say? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? God is putting us on a hill. Who can ascend that hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And so we've been in this process of God just cleaning up the church and breaking off those chains During the song today, I don't know if you heard it, but we started saying, break every chain. I think it was Carol. Break every chain. Break every chain. And that's what God is up to. That's what God's up to today. It's what he's been up to. And so it's pretty fitting that we would be hitting this topic today on the last day of this month because of what God's been up to. Did you know in Romans, 47 different times, it says that your old self is dead. That thing you used to struggle with, that thing that keeps creeping up, that way that you used to feel, and the feelings that come back again, your old self is literally dead. And guess what? Dead people don't sin. It's true, right? Just read the end of Romans 7, and into eight, and you will see yourself in a whole new way. Once you give your heart to Jesus and you become a child of God, you have a new normal. I have a very different view of the world than I did years ago. Years ago, I used to make excuses for hot topics that some people are afraid to talk about, like abortion or sex trafficking or or all of the crazy that happens in this world. I would make an excuse for it because I, would, I had this view, oh, well, we live in a fallen world. The moment I do that, it gives permission for that to be here. And it's not even true. That's not even a correct view of the world. The world is not fallen. Jesus paid a price once for all, the ransom for many, the price that Jesus paid was enough. We don't live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's been redeemed that just doesn't know it yet. That makes a difference, amen? 
I used to have a very different view of myself years ago (laughs) than I do right now. I used to say, well, I'm a sinner. That gives permission for me to sin. And me saying that I'm a sinner is not accurate. We just read in here that we have actually died to sin. The price that Jesus paid was enough. So when you give your heart to the Lord and when you become a child of God, you are no longer, it's no longer normal for you to sin. We get a new normal. And so I'm proposing number one in this identity piece, you are not a sinner, you're a saint. That begins to shift. That begins to turn the tide on what's expected by us and what's expected by the people around us. And I'm not talking about performance here. Performing for love has a name, and that's not what we're doing. But knowing who we are matters. If I know this world is not broken, it's not fallen, Jesus paid a price and cleared the air, then I can engage with the world in the right way. When I know that I am not a sinner, I'm a saint, then I can engage with me the right way. I can have the right expectations for myself. So you're not a sinner, you're a saint. You are not at war with your old man. He is dead. Let's say my old man is dead. Gone. Dead. Did you know if you believe that you're a sinner, you can actually sin by faith? It's crazy. If you believe that you're a sinner, by faith you can enact that old nature. But regardless of how you feel, the reality is when you're born into the kingdom, you are born to win. You are conditioned to succeed and you are paid for in advance. Everything you're going to encounter from that moment on has already been paid for. You know, I, have you ever thought about the armor of God? You know, we're not out here just bouncing around. We actually have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and our feet shot in the gospel of peace. We have armor. But have you ever paid attention to the fact that there's actually nothing on your back? The reason why is because God has your back. And what he's speaking is, you are my kids. You are a saint. It is not normal for you to fall into the things that you used to fall into. I believe in you. I'm sending you. I'm behind you. We only have eyes in the front of our head, not the back of our head. Our feet only point forward. We are designed to be moving forward and taking ground for the kingdom. That's who we are. We're not made to be sitting down. We're not made to be waiting on someone else. We're not born and built and designed to let someone else handle it. Every single Christian, every single person has the armor of God, has the power of God, and has God behind them saying, go, go forward. Don't go back, go forward. I had this, but, but we don't always feel like we're moving forward, amen? We don't always feel amazing. We don't always feel like a saint. 
I had this um, experience where, and, and some of you may know some of this story. I was riding the bike trail with Zoe and Noah, and I had this moment where I just did this daddy move. Zoe was falling down, so I kind of dove off my bike to break her fall, and so yay, daddy. I got good daddy points because I broke her fall, but in the process, I broke my ulna, I broke my thumb, I split my other thumb open, I had terrible road rash in my palms and rocks embedded, my legs swelled up like a grapefruit was underneath my skin. I had a lot of crazy things happen and miracles started to happen immediately. I wasn't even praying and my body was healing. I realized in that moment the kingdom inside of me was actually greater, the reality inside of me was greater than what I was standing in. I didn't even pray and my body began to heal. But my arm that was broken didn't heal right away. I went in to get x-rays, and, and when I got my x-rays, on the way back from the x-ray, my thumb healed. It was broken too, and it healed just on the way back to the examining room. But my arm didn't heal right away. And so God spoke to me and said, treat your arm like it's not broken. My wife, if you don't know, is a nurse, and they had already casted me in a temporary cast. And they wanted to take off the temporary cast and put on a permanent cast. But I had heard my daddy. And he told me to treat my arm like it wasn't broken. Now, my arm was in pain. It hurt. I couldn't move it that much without, I could barely move it without it hurting. But God told me to treat it like it wasn't broken. So I made a decision that my wife was not on board with. (laughs) They took off my cast and I said, thank you so much, doctor, but no thank you. Don't put the, ca- the permanent cast on. I'm not going to do it. Christy started playing the what-if game. I'm not throwing her under the bus. This is normal. Her job is to play the what-if game somewhat. And there was all these thoughts like, oh, you know, if it doesn't set right, then, then you know, you could have surgery and that'd be even more money. And we were thinking about the finances. And I had to take all of that noise, all of those things that were trying to tell me about my arm, and push it aside. And I had to focus on what God said. Treat it like it's not broken. And so for three and a half weeks, I was this crazy guy with a broken arm walking around like this, treating my arm like it wasn't broken. I intentionally reached and grabbed things with it. I didn't, you know, hold it up all the time. I slept however I wanted to without worrying about if I was going to roll on it. And for three and a half weeks, I had crazy pain in my arm. But I just kept saying, it's not broken. My arm is not broken. My arm is not broken. I began speaking almost an identity over my arm. And there was a moment three and a half weeks in where all of a sudden it changed and my arm was healed. (laughs) Completely healed. We have moments in life where we forget that we're a saint and we feel like a sinner. But the problem is we treat ourselves like we're a sinner. We treat ourselves with the pain that we feel. Instead of speaking over ourselves the reality of who we are, we say things like, I've fallen again, or I've messed up, or I'm still weak, or I'm still addicted. And all of that is wrong. It's very clear in the word. When you give your heart to Jesus, you are now a saint, and it's no longer normal to sin. I believe what God's doing in this moment is just breaking that last chain. Before we go out, because we're heading into a season, guys, where we're going to be going out in power evangelism.
but we got to know who we are. I had another situation talking about identity where I was told in 2011, probably August, July of 2011, I was told I'd never walk again without a cane. And I looked at my physical therapist and I said, I bless you, sir, but you don't know who I am and you don't know my Jesus because I'm not a cripple. And it wasn't right away, but God healed my leg because I know who I am. I'm not, gonna wa- I'm not a cripple. I'm not going to walk with a cane for the rest of my life. So as we go out, it's important to know who we are. The very next thing that I want to talk about is, so first of all, we have to know who we are as we go out. Second of all, I think in order to see ourselves clearly, we need to be able to see Jesus clearly. And so turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. When we're talking about seeing Jesus clearly, here's the reality. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. But sometimes we blend his role with his identity. In the New Testament, it says Jesus is Christ. He's Lord. He's the Logos. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of David, the Lamb of God, the new Adam, second Adam, final Adam. He's the light of the world. He's the King of the Jews. He's Rabboni. He's Rabbi. But sometimes we begin to blend his past role with who he is. Jesus was a suffering servant, but he is right now a superhero. In 1 John 4, 17, it's one of my life verses, it says, as he is, so are we in this world. If we want to know who we are, we've got to look at Jesus. He's the only defining point. He's the only variable, he's the only constant in all of the variables when we're trying to figure out who we are. I can't look at my brother, Pastor Mike, to figure out who I am. I can't look at my wife to figure out who I am. But I can look at Jesus, and I begin to see who I am. And the, world, the, the word says in 1 John four seventeen, we are as he is, not as he was. And I think sometimes we identify with that suffering servant. We identify with dying. We identify with bleeding out. But what I'm saying is, is we need to identify with who he really is, who he is right now. And I think we get a picture of that in, fir- in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. And it says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. That's what Jesus looks like. That's who Jesus is. And we need to realize the Bible says we are as he is, not as he was. We don't have to die every single day. There are sacrifices and there is a price to pay and there's all these things. But we have to realize Jesus won. He won it all, and we are built and made in his image. We're in the very image of God. So we're not walking around as, you know, kicking blocks or or a punching bag or just a suffering servant. We have a Jesus that has fire in his eyes. He's got a sword in his mouth. His feet are glowing like, like molten metal. He's wearing a robe and a golden sash. He's ordained. There's this beauty in who he is. 
He doesn't look like a normal human being. Picture that Jesus walking into your job. Picture that Jesus walking into the gas station when you get gas. Picture that Jesus walking into Walmart to pick up some groceries. Can you even conceive that Walmart or the gas station or the grocery store would be the same? We've got to get the picture that we are as he is. We are superheroes. We have the fire of God in us. We have the sword of the spirit that we can speak over people. It's powerful. My laptop keeps wanting to go to sleep. To see ourselves clearly, we need to see him clearly. The last thing I want to share, I'm going to close with this. As we go out, not only are we saints and not sinners, it's not normal for us to fall into the stuff we used to fall into. Not only do we look like a superhero and we carry with us the image of God. We are all made in God's image. But we also carry with us the power of God, the Holy Spirit. The price was this high. And John, I'm just going to read it instead of us reading together for time's sake. But it says in John 16, very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's the price that Jesus paid to get us the power of the Holy Spirit in us and upon us. He had to go away. That's a major price. Jesus had to leave and go back to the Father in order for us to receive what he wanted us so desperately to receive. That's not a price that he's going to pay lightly. There's a big deal about God giving us the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Amen. That changes everything. That changes everything. That changes the way I'm a husband. That changes the way I'm a son. That changes the way I'm an uncle or a friend or a pastor. That changes the whole game. Because when I step into life, I've already won. When I step into a challenging situation, I'm already a winner. When I face giants that are genuine giants that come against us, they are nothing compared to the power of God that's inside of me. I didn't do anything to earn it. It was given to me for free. God says, freely you have been given. Freely give. We have got to be people that know who we are, that know that we look like Jesus, that we smell like Jesus, that we act like Jesus, and that we have the power of God literally inside of us to where when I go to Walmart, I'm the Jesus to the person next to me. Why do you think Jesus would pay the price of leaving in order to send the Holy Spirit? It's because he didn't want just one of him on the earth. He wanted one of him times however many people come into the family of God because the price he paid released the Holy Spirit over us to where now we can walk in that. We can have that inside of us. It's a game changer. So my hope today with my sermon was that I would remind us, first of all, of what God is doing in this season, to see him in it, 
Second of all, to remind us of who we are in him. Saints, not sinners. To see Jesus clearly in order to see ourselves clearly and to recognize that we carry the power of God. And just to begin this conversation, there's still what, where, when, why, and how, and why not that we're not going to get to today. Maybe we will in, in, in the coming months. But I'm hoping that we begin a conversation about answering the right questions. Right now, I'll just say these again real quickly. Right now, we really need to know the answer to our identity, to our focus, to our timing, to our orientation, to what motivates us, to faith, and to begin asking the question, why not, instead of what if. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. In just a moment, I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Mike, but before we do, I'm going to ask you to just stand with me. This season has been not easy and it's not over. But God is here to break every chain. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up in just a minute. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Mike. But before that, just close your eyes. I feel like this is the crossing of the T, the dotting of the I, of this season we've been in for God to clean our hands and clean our hearts, clean our eyes, clean our ears. And so I want you to just be honest with yourself this morning. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but honestly, have there been things that have creeped back into your life because of this whole situation and the isolation and being unseen, being behind closed doors? How do you really feel about maybe those things you've experienced again? How do you feel about those temptations that came back? Listen, temptation is not sin. Sometimes I used to repent just for being tempted. All we have to do is resist the devil and he what? Runs away. So we're standing in faith today and I'm asking you, if there's something that did creep back up in your life, what do you feel like you deserve because of it? Because of what you've done or what, what's creeped back up? Do you feel like any of these things, you know, that might be on your list today that you're worthy of punishment? Honestly, do you think God should punish you? Do you punish yourself? What do you think that those things do to your connection with him? So I'm going to pray. If there's any lingering chain, if there's any lingering shadow over your life of anything that creeped back into our hearts, into our lives, any temptations that swung back around because of the isolation and everything that's been happening. I mean, we know anxiety's been up and, and depression's been up. Suicide's been up. There's something happening. So... If you're here today and you feel any thread of those strongholds the enemy used to have in your life or is trying to have in your life again, this is your moment right now to break those things. So right now, I pray in Jesus' name, anything that would be holding us back, any, any chains that have been put on us, any shackles of the enemy 
secret or un- not secret, anything seen or unseen. God, anything, any tactic of the enemy that's been against your children who are, sa- are saints, not sinners, who are in your image and who are literally carrying the power of God inside of them. If there's anything the enemy has done to hold us back, Holy Spirit, just reveal it right now. And each one of us in our own, with our eyes shut, no one looking around, offer those things up to Jesus. Let him break them right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name, we break every chain, every thread, every shadow, every stronghold, everything that's come against us in the name of Jesus Christ. We break it in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And we say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, God, for freedom. Thank you, Lord Jesus for freedom. Listen, if God sets you free today, those who are set free in the Son are free indeed. So I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to come up and lead us in our worship time. If the ministry team could come forward. And let's just know who we are in this season. Amen? Pastor Mike.